Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you all so much for the opportunity you've given us to gather in your house and to get into your word. Help us now as we return back into it to understand it and apply it in the right way and draw close to you, build our faith and trust in you and in your word as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our chronological study of the Bible, we're going to pick it back up in Genesis chapter 10. And here we get into the section of the generations, or as it reads. Now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and unto them were sons born after the flood. Now, verses 2 and on, we see a lot of the names of the various children that are being born under each one of these three key sons. I'm not going to read all of them because I'm sure that I won't pronounce them correctly, but they're in here for a purpose and a reason to establish the timeline and the generations so we can follow the bloodline all the way back to Adam and Eve through these generations. Now let's hit a couple key points throughout this that are significant. As it says in verse 2, the sons of Japheth. So now he gets into the children that Japheth had. But notice, just the sons and not the daughters. And also, there may have been many more sons than what are listed because they recorded the ones that have a key place in the family tree to follow back. All the names of all the children of Adam and Eve are not given to us. None of the names of the daughters of Adam and Eve are given to us, such as even here where we see Noah and his family. We don't have Noah's wife's name or his daughter-in-law's names. And like I pointed out, these key people are recorded for us to give us a guideline, to give us a timeline and a bloodline. As it continues to speak of these various sons, you can go on down to verse 5. By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands, every one after his language, after their families in their nations. Notice, speaking of the dividing of the lands, now when we get into chapter 11, it'll speak of the key point where the Lord drove them out to divide the lands. So in the generations, it covers a wide span of time. Once again, verse 5, By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands, every one after his tongue. After his tongue. At the time when they built the Tower of Babel, everyone had one tongue. But after the Tower of Babel, when the Lord divided them and gave them various languages. So here's a key there telling you about when the different events took place. After his tongue, after their families in their nations. And then it goes into verse 6, and the sons of Ham. And it goes down and tells those, Cush, and, and then the last one there, Canaan, which is a very important of the children of Ham. Canaan was the one that Noah cursed when 
Ham did what he did, looking at his his daddy's naked body laying there and then telling the brothers about it, probably joking about it. So Noah cursed Canaan. And sometimes when you see this list of names, the last one that is listed is the youngest of it. But he may have had other sons other than that. But Canaan was a key one. So the youngest that they are naming is Canaan here. That may be why Noah chose to to curse Ham's youngest son. That's just theory. And then it goes on talking about the others. And then verse 8, And Cush begat Nimrod. Now Nimrod is a very key person in the history because Nimrod is the one who was credited for the building of the Tower of Babel. But note what it says here. And Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. Now you don't hear any more mention of Nimrod, not even in the account of the building of the tower and so forth. But here it talks about in verse 10, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. So because it says his kingdom was Babel, they accredited him being the one who saw to the building of the tower. And it goes on down to the, the various generations and the sons, and all the way down to, let's see, go to 21. And to Shem, also the father of all the generations of Eber, the brother of Japheth, the elder, even to him were children born. Now the Shem is a very important one. Because by the bloodline of Shem, we go all the way to Jesus Christ through Shem. You follow that bloodline all the way to Jesus. And then, of course, from Shem all the way back to Seth and then to Adam and Eve. All right, then jump on over to verse 30. It reads, And their dwelling was... From Mesha, as thou goest unto Sephar, a mount of the east. Note it's naming various towns, regions, and areas that had not yet been built until after the Tower of Babel and so forth. So this is covering a wide span of time is what I'm saying. These are the sons of Shem after their families, after their tongues, in their land, lands. Notice once again, after their tongues. So it was multiple languages that was a descendant of Shem after their nations. These are the families of the sons of Noah after their generations in their nations. And by these were the nations divided in the earth after the flood. Divided. So we have this division of the various peoples and the Lord divided the entire planet as a result of the flood. He split it up into various continents. And then after the Tower of Babel, he scatters them into these various continents. And you have different weathers in those continents. You have different living conditions. He split the generations of people in accordance to their physical attributes where they could survive and thrive the best in accordance to what their physical makeup was. So those that would have the, the physical makeup to be able to withstand heat and sun 
they, he sent to those areas, there would be a lot more heat and sun. Those that were capable of handling the cold, he sent those into that area. So those particular bloodlines, he divided them into what people these days call the races. But there is only one race. But there are different physical attributes given to everyone. And at this time, they were divided at the Tower of Babel. They were divided and sent in accordance to their physical attributes and even where we see that still evident in the people's appearance today. But if you look at these generations of these three brothers, Shem, his descendants are the Semites or the, the Jews, what we identify as the Jews, which include the Jews and some of the Arabs because of the way that they mixed, and people of the Middle East, and of course the bloodline of Jesus. These are the ones that are the descendants of Shem. And then Ham, you have the Ethiopians, the Egyptians, the Lydians, and the Canaanites, and the people of Arabia, Egypt, and North Africa. They are the ones that are descendants of Ham. And those areas were very hot, very dry, and they had the physical attributes, even the appearance, the amount of melatonin in their skin, such as they were dark-skinned, to be able to handle the sun and be able to handle the heat. So that's why he sent them in that area. And then you have the descendants of Japheth, which were able to handle the cold weather a lot more, such as the Russians and the Germans and the Greeks and the Britons and the Muscovites, people of Asia Minor, the Caucasians of Europe, those who were able to handle the weather and endure hot and cold or extreme cold. So he divided them according to their abilities and the gifts that he had given them to be able to do such and to be able to thrive and survive in those various areas. Now let's get into chapter 11, which sort of backs up in time a little bit because we covered these generations which span a very wide timeline. But now going back into this time, we see chapter 11 unfolding, which is a few hundred years maximum of maybe as much as four or five hundred years from the time of the flood to the time of the Tower of Babel. And then from there, we proceed further. So here in chapter 11, it reads, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. Notice right here, he's pointing out, one language, one speech. So there wouldn't have been many tongues that we just had the genealogical record of speaking of the various tongues. Now, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. Notice, they manufactured, crafted the brick, and baked it, baked it, made it hard into a brick, and slime. So what's slime? This is the first mention you see of slime. Slime is actually tar. Tar is a result of the flood. Tar, crude oil, coal, 
all of the what they call fossil fuels. That was a result of the flood. And you had these bubbling up tar pits, and they would take that and use that as their mortar because it was weatherproof and it was able to get a little bit more thicker and thicker and act like a serious glue. And so they used that as their mortar between this, these bricks. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower. Now we know this building of the city we see referred to back over in chapter 10, verse 10. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Now that kingdom is where this tower of Babel is. The word Babel means confusion. It was named confusion because the Lord comes down and confuses all their languages, gives them different languages. And they say, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Now the Lord done told them and a couple times already to go out to populate the entire planet, not just to all hang together. But they wanted to all hang together and be stronger in that unity. And, and note what the Lord points out in this. And the Lord came down to the, see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Now he's already told us about the imaginations of mankind, which led to all of this judgment back over in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So to stop the evil, to help divide up the people so that they're not all of one nation, we see what unfolds back over in chapter 11. Read verse 6 again. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. Confound their language, or confuse their language. So isn't it awesome that the Lord gave Adam and Eve, the ability to speak a language, alphabet, all of it, the wisdom that the Lord gave them. And now he's given these people here various languages, different ones, given them complete understanding of a new language and the ability to verbalize a new language and to understand it when someone else is speaking it. That was a gift given to them back then. And we see this same kind of a gift given to the apostles when they received the indwelling spirit of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost gave them the ability to understand the various languages that the Lord had in that region and that they were going to be sent out to. They were able to speak and understand those languages, a gift directly given to them from God. This here in chapter 11, we see this gift being given to them, various languages, knowing and understanding them. 
But it wasn't that he added a language to them like he did to the apostles. Here he took away the understanding of the language that they had and gave them a new language that they did not previously know. So this was a wiping away of a memory and an ability and a giving of a new understanding and ability. Verse 7 again, Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. He scattered them. He motivated them and drove them into the various regions, the various continents all over the world to establish kingdoms all over the world. We see in the history of the the major nations a history of a worldwide flood, a history of creation, and so forth. They vary in details. They vary in accuracy, because the accuracy one was given directly to the children of Israel, but they have passed on from generation to generation these various accounts of the history, been distorted through the time. But all the major groups around the whole planet, if you go back into their history, they have records of a worldwide flood in their history because it was passed down from generation to generation. So these people were scattered about. And in verse 9, Therefore is the name of it called Babel. The name of that city is called Babel, which means confusion. And that tower is the Tower of Babel, the Tower of Confusion. On that day when he came down and confused them, and then you can imagine just the chaotic experience of people looking at someone that they previously knew and trying to speak and not understand what they're saying and not be able to communicate, but yet hearing somebody else, hey, I understand what that person's saying. And then he would go over to that person and then, well, let's find another one who can hear and understand. And then they would be divided into those different groups. Just, I've seen a, a movie where they displayed this and they, they displayed it quite well, the way the confusion was and the way that it took a little bit of time to gather together into the various groups of the languages. And then suddenly you see them scattering in all different directions where they head off where the Lord's led them. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. And now we get into a reaccount of the generation of Shem because of the descendant Abram, which is later named Abraham, is a descendant of Shem. So in verse 11, And Shem lived after he begat Arphaxad, which is a very interesting name, Arphaxad. You can imagine holding a little baby in your arms and looking, and I think you're an Arphaxad, like not a common name these days, but it's an interesting one. Verse 11 again. And Shem lived after he begat Arphaxad 500 years and begat sons and daughters. Notice once again, sons and daughters, but not given all the names of all those sons and daughters. Just We're just given the key ones. 
That's why when you see someone who has laid out the chronological events of the creation all the way through to today, they cannot give a pinpoint accurate date of the time. Twofold reason. One is we're not given enough information to establish that and because we don't even know what year it is now. We don't know what day of the week it is. We've got no clue. We've got people who have guessed and estimated and thought, well, okay, maybe it's this. You have the various calendars through the various nations when they were divided up. They weren't kept accurately day by day. So don't ever be dogmatic about what year it is or even what day it is because it has been so messed up through the generations. All right, back into it again in verse 11. And Shem lived after he begat Arphaxad 500 years and begat sons and daughters. Another point I would like to make out is he lived after he begat Arphaxad 500 years. Now we know in the account of the flood, back over in Genesis in chapter 6, in verse 3, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. People have looked at that 120 years and say, Okay, no one's going to live over 120 years. That's what the Lord said. Well, after he said that, we see people living a whole lot longer than 120 years. So the 120 years... The argument that the 120 years that the Lord speaks of in Genesis chapter 6 is that at that point that he was delivering that message that it was going to be 120 years when the flood came upon the planet. That that's what that one means. So like I say, back and forth on that. All right, now back over in verse 14 of chapter 11. And Salah lived 30 years and begat Eber. And Salah lived after he begat Eber 403 years and begat sons and daughters. Notice he lived a long time there, 430 years after, after that. And Eber lived four and 30 years and begat Peleg. And Eber lived after he begat Peleg 430 years and begat sons and daughters. And Peleg lived 30 years and begat Rehu. And Peleg lived after he begat Reu 209 years, and he begat sons and daughters. And Reu lived two and thirty years, and begat Serug. And Reu lived after he begat Serug 207 years, and begat sons and daughters. And Serug lived thirty years, and begat Nahor. And Serug lived after he begat Nahor 200 years and begat sons and daughters. And Nahor lived 9 and 20 years and begat Terah. Now we get into some key names. And Nahor lived after he begat Terah 119 years and begat sons and daughters. And Terah lived 70 years and begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. These three individuals are very important to the future that we see in the rest of Genesis. In verse 27, Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, 
who later was named Abraham after he was blessed by the Lord. Nahor and Haran, and, and Haran begat Lot. Lot, another key one here. If you calculate this out, Lot is Abram's nephew. And Hera died before his father, Terah, in the land of his nativity and in Ur of the Chaldees. Now here we see the mention of the Chaldees. The Chaldeans are ones that the children of Abraham have a lot of dealings with and not so good dealings with in the future. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. And Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Malcolm. And note, once again, now we're seeing the names of the women being included in this. The daughter of Haran, the father of Malcolm, and the father of Ishka. Because of these other generations, we see these names. And Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of, his, of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. All of that gives us the, this generation all the way to Abram. Now, we'll be pulling out of Genesis at this point, and we'll be going to the book of Job. Now, Job fits in during those generations that we read earlier in chapter 10, because Job... His time was before the birth of Abram, several hundred years before the birth of Abram. So we won't go to Job today, but that's where we'll be journeying next time is to get into Job because of the chronological order of the Bible. Now, once again, even in this chronological study, we have seen that we have gone forward and backward in time, and it would be very difficult to divide it in such a manner that right within the middle of a verse that you would jump from one event to another event that's recorded in the Bible. So even the efforts of doing a chronological study are difficult because of having to bounce around so much it gets kind of confusing sometimes. But we'll try to keep it as flowing as accurately as we can throughout the timeline but with the timeline, we now have to jump to the book of Job, because as I said, the book of Job was during a time prior to the birth of Abram, which chapter 12 gets into the life of Abram, who later becomes known as Abraham. So we'll pick it up in Job next time, but that's all we have time for today. We'll get into Job later. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for your word all these facts that are recorded. Give us that burning desire to dig in there, to find that message that you want us to receive, to give us a clearer understanding of the word that you have preserved for us and help us have faith in it and trust in it and share it with others. Thank you all so much for all of it as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you all.